This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to ABC Church this morning. If it's your first time here, we give you a warm welcome. If you're joining us online, it's Christmas! Yeah, okay, just so we're clear, can we get something out of the way right now? You can now put your Christmas tree up. So how many early offenders have we got that started putting it up like in, I don't know, May or June? (laughs) Some of you. It is ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, we've got baubles flying around. It's ridiculous, isn't it, that people put up Christmas trees so early. Do you agree? (laughs) Did I just become the Grinch? I love Christmas. Do you? I love Christmas. There's lots of things to celebrate, but I love the seasons of the year. I love autumn. I love winter. I love spring. I love summer. I love them all. And as we go into December and we step into another new season, we're into winter. And as well as that, we step into uh, the Christian character, the, uh, the Christian calendar of the, those that follow the Anglican tradition. tradition. We're now in Advent. How many of you got an Advent calendar already? I got up this morning and Betsy, our dog, decided to get onto the dining table last night and help herself. She's, she's helping out, you know, Ruth is trying to be easy on the, the amount of chocolate she takes in these days. So Betsy, the little dog, helped her out today. I got up this morning to Ruth's Advent calendar had disappeared. It disappeared in bits onto the floor as Betsy, I don't know if she did them in order, because I know number one had gone, but Betsy had eaten all the way from number two all the way through 25. She literally thought it was Christmas as she munched up all the chocolate that was in Ruth's advent calendar, and I had to pick up all the foil this morning, and then we had all that emergency. You need to phone the vet. And Oh, do we? You know? Because Betsy... I'd enjoyed the fruits of the season and is already celebrating Advent. <laughs> yeah. And the thing I love about seasons and the thing I love about this season and in Anglican churches up and down the land today, uh, there will be a wreath that will be laid out to celebrate Advent and one candle will be lit on the five candles, the five Sundays that run up to the last one that will be uh, lit on uh, Christmas Sunday. And the five candles, and the candle that's lit lit today in the Anglican tradition is the candle for the prophets. The prophets in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that were looking forward to the one who would come. Looking forward to the arrival of Jesus. The scriptures and the prophets were writing so much about this one going to come, where he's going to be born, how he's going to be born, what he's going to do. It's amazing the number of prophecies that would f- were fulfilled when Jesus finally arrived. And we knew he was going to be arriving in Bethlehem because the prophets foretold it. And they were looking forward to a season. Looking forward to a season that would maybe change their lives. So I want to ask you a question today as we reflect on winter 
And as we reflect on Advent, and as we all have got our hats and coats out, apart from James, who's still wearing flip-flops in December, I don't know kind of who does stuff like that. He must have uh, iron feet or something like that. But as we all get our warm woolly jumpers out, and uh, some of you are already wearing festive jumpers this morning again as we go into Christmas, I want to ask you, what season of life are you in? What season of life are you in? You see, because just like there are seasons in our year that we celebrate, spring, summer, autumn, and winter, there are the same kind of seasons that are in our lives too, aren't there? There's often the spring of our lives, where we celebrate so many new things that are happening Uh, Like a genesis, if you like, of so many different things that would happen in our lives. Maybe some of you have just started a new job. Maybe some of you have just moved into a new house. Maybe some of you, like Granny Natalie that's in the house this morning, are celebrating the birth of a new baby that has arrived. All right, there's two people that are happy with the arrival of the baby. Or some of you guys that I may be celebrating the birth of a new relationship. Because love is in the air in December, and you've suddenly found her. You thought she was a bit cute, and you asked her out. And yeah, and maybe some of you girls in December, you might have someone pop the question. Or you might have somebody ask you out or whatever. And I I don't think it's a a man-girl thing. Look, if you like him, ask him out. I say, do you think you should do that? I don't know what this is, this transition. If If you like him, you go and get him. I say, is that all right? Is that, that's what Ruth did. And she had a bargain, didn't she? Okay, maybe not. So what season of life are you in? Are you in the spring of your life? And maybe you're in the summer of life, because that's even better. I'd like to think that my marriage, as I've been married 27 years, I'm in the summer of my life. I've never felt better about the girl I fell in love with so many years ago and how we've got to know each other over the years and how we've achieved so many things. There's fruit everywhere. We produce three kids. They're turning out okay. And we've we've achieved so many things. We moved house and we've done so many things and we've experienced the fruit from the spring that was in our lives of when we originally got together. Maybe you're in the spring of your life right now. Maybe you're in summer, or maybe you're in autumn, where stuff begins to fall off and fall out. (laughs) You know, that receding hairline. I was listening to Lloyd Thomas uh, preaching last Sunday night, Pastor Lloyd Thomas from uh, T. Gwynn Church, great, great speaker, and he said he's given up the fight between him and his receding hairline. And he's decided, off with his head, not literally, He's decided to just shave all his head off because he's not going to have one of those flappy fringes anymore and trying to tie it all down. He's lost the battle because it's all beginning to drop off. And maybe some of us that, you know, bits of our body don't lean in the right way as they used to. Or maybe our teeth are all falling out. Some of you already got dentures here in the house because maybe you're in the autumn of life. But the winter of life... It's something tough for all of us to face, isn't it? And the winter of life is something that's unique. It's where barrenness exists. 
It's where there's nothing. There's no fruit, seemingly. And it just sometimes in the winter of our walk, sometimes it just seems that life's so tough that the only glimpse that we can hope for in our lives is maybe one day where there's snow to cheer us up in the day. Or maybe as we walk along, and those of you that are outdoor people, maybe in the frost of it all, you notice a sparkling piece of ice that's uh, glistening in the sun in the early morning because there's very little to celebrate in winter. And I want to ask you, what's going on in your life right now? What season are you in? Because even in winter, we know that God is at work, don't we? We know that God is at work through the order of nature, that all the bugs are killed off so that we can get healthy, that germination is, is held in seed that's in the soil, but the heat of spring is going to come, and that first little flower that births into spring, the one that we look out for the most, and that lovely little Welsh song that I love so dearly, O Lily Wen Vach, which declares, O Little Snowdrop, where have you been? The seed of the snowdrop was there all the time. All the time in the ground. But a little bit of warmth, a little bit of change has brought life and vitality. I'd love to be a billionaire, would you? Would you love to be a billionaire? Come on, be honest. Hands up those of you that would love to be a billionaire right now. Wow, interesting that so many of you are just like, I mean, just think of the good you could do with it. Now, girls, I know a lot of you are thinking you could go shopping endlessly and everything, but think of the good you could do it. And I must confess, I would love to be a billionaire. And the reason I want to talk about that as a bit of a segue this morning is I, one of the things I've kind of studied, and maybe it'll become a book one day, is I've written uh, lots of stuff that I've begun to collect together over time on billionaires in the Bible. You see, these days we elevate things like wealth and celebrity and, you know, if this person or that person is a billionaire. But I love what's happening in the world at the moment that a lot of the world's billionaires are becoming full-time philanthropists. Did you know that one of the world's wealthiest billionaires, Warren Buffett, will give away, by the time he's passed away, through the legacies that he's left and the, the, the wealth that he's given away right now, he will have given away in excess of 99% of all of the money that he's earned while he's been here on earth. Imagine that. He's a 99% tither. <laughs> given it all away. And if you want to Google it when you get home, he has encouraged lots of different people in, and through the work that he's doing with Bill and Melinda Gates, uh, Mr. Gates, who you know owns the world's most valuable company called Microsoft. It just pipped Apple uh, just this month and is now the world's, Microsoft is the world's most valuable company. And Bill and Melinda Gates, that are both billionaires in their own right, have set up an organization called the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Bit of a giveaway there. But they are asking other billionaires across the world to take a pledge. And it's called The Pledge. If you Google The Pledge online, you will hear the story of some fantastic millionaires, uh, billionaires that are taking the pledge to give away 
all their income to eradicate, as they are doing, malaria and to make it a thing of the past. Do you know the best predictions that we have right now are that within 10 years, malaria will be eradicated from our planet. How cool is that? And that polio will be eradicated entirely from our planet. And that everybody will have clean water and everybody will have great sanitization. Through the wealth that we have in the Western world, we are committed, aren't we, to change somebody else's season of their life. And through the good that we can do to give to worldwide cause, worthwhile causes. So, without further ado, let me share with you the story of one billionaire that's in the bible and you can calculate it you like you know how much a loaf of bread cost in 1963 and those calculations that people do when they they work out that a, a loaf of bread should now be 14 pounds 70 in real terms or, or whatever it is have you have you have you had all of that kind of stuff thrown at you in life well i lost a fiver back in 1961 that's the equivalent to losing 100 pounds today and i'm thinking oh really is it you know and we all have to work all of this kind of stuff out um but abraham was one of the world's first billionaires that's in the Bible. If we calculated it in real terms today, he would be a billionaire. And I want to turn with me this morning to the book of Ecclesiastes and to the book that's written by another billionaire called Solomon. Solomon is one of the wisest men that ever lived. And there's a lovely passage that he talks about this thing called seasons that goes all the way from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and there's a lovely segue where he talks about wisdom, and he talks about lots of different things that are meaningless. He talks about work and toil and pleasures and projects and all these kind of things that he gets involved in because he's wealthy. And he jumps into Ecclesiastes chapter 3 to 5, and he starts talking about seasons. He says there's a a season to celebrate and a season to mourn, a season to live and a season to die. There's a weird one in there as well. A seasons to collect stones and to scatter stones. I mean, how many of you collect stones? You do. Come on. You've been on the beach and you've picked stones up and brought them home, haven't you? We've all done that. And we think, oh, that'll be nice. It'll go on the desk or we'll do something with it. Never arrives there. We just take a stone home and bring, take some uh, refuse from the beach and, and bring it home with us. There's a time to collect stones and a time to scatter stones. And there's a meaning in there, for those of you who know your uh, Bible. So what season of life are you in? Because Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19, says this. And we'll read the verse together, and then we'll pray and look for some truths from the seasons this morning that I believe God wants to teach us. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 18 says this. After observing and after uh, surveying all that he saw in life, Solomon declares these words. He says, this is what I have observed to be good that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. And for this, sorry, for this is their lot. How do you feel about that verse? He's saying there's a time for us to eat, drink, and work. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we love the light. Lord, as we 
go to a season at Christmas where we light candles. Lord, thinking of the light that's going to come into the world. And as we celebrate in so many different ways this period of Advent, as we look forward like the prophets did to the coming of Jesus Christ, the one who was light itself sent into the world. Lord, may the light of the word of God shine in our hearts today. Lord, enlighten our minds, enlighten our souls. Help us understand that whether we be in the spring, summer, autumn, or winter of our lives, your light continues every single day. The sun rises and the sun sets every single day throughout all the seasons. Help us to rejoice in the hope that's in the light of Christ. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. You see, this just mirrors a scripture that we know that comes from Genesis chapter 3. You see, when Adam were made pre the fall, they were put in the garden of Eden to love and care. And you see, work gives man meaning. You know, if you're in work, whether paid or unpaid, do you know the word retirement is not in the Bible? I meet some people sometimes and they say to me, it says, well, what are you doing these days? Oh, I'm doing nothing now. I'm doing nothing. Do you know it's impossible to do nothing? Have you tried doing nothing? Try and do nothing right now. It's very difficult, isn't it? Our mind is an active thing that goes all the time. Don't we know it? When you're trying to get asleep at 3 a.m. in the morning, you think, can my brain just switch off? Or is it just me that has that? Thinking we can't, you, it's impossible for us as humans, if we've got a pulse and if we've got stuff going around our heads, to even not think. Even when you're asleep, you're dreaming. And some of you wake up in the morning after you've had that night's sleep and you're thinking, what on earth was that dream about? That was crazy. Any of you have crazy dreams? Oh, I have crazy, crazy dreams. In fact, I can't share them with you here because you'd think I'm insane. You all think I'm a little bit crazy now, but dreams are incredible things because our minds are continuing to work while we are asleep, mending tissue. Sleep is such an important thing for us to get a load of it. About seven, eight hours, no more than that because it destroys our brain. Are you aware that a lot of sleep is bad for you just as much as a little sleep is bad for you? So in the time that we are here on earth, this is our lot. This is it. We are born, we eat, drink, we work, and we die. Thank you, Pastor Phil. What a lovely Christmas message. <laughs> You've come with such encouragement to us. But that's the reality of life, isn't it? That's why we ask questions like, what's the meaning? What's the meaning of life? We all want to know, don't we? Because we think there must be more. And this is the challenge that billionaire Solomon is trying to answer. What is life all about? And this is his summary. Is that he says for us is to eat and to drink. Well, let's eat and drink then and enjoy for tomorrow we die. That's basically it, isn't it? But for us to find meaning in what we do is the key. You see, wherever you are in life, even if you're retired, do you know you're just re-tired? You're just like that car wheel that is remolded to go back on 
for another run. And those of you here that are, uh, have the privilege of maybe being financially independent, that you don't need to go to work anymore because you've worked hard, you've paid the mortgage off on the house, and you've put money aside, and you've now got a good pension. And some of you here, I know I've got really, really good pensions. God bless you. But God bless you to use that fruitfulness that you have to bless others that are less fortunate. The fruitfulness of the time that you have free to share wisdom with other people. And I'm so grateful for so many of you here in the church that share your wisdom of life with the young people and all of it. We love listening. Did I say we? Yeah, I'm including myself in a young person. But to sit at your feet sometimes and hear your stories of how God has blessed you through difficult times and put you where you are now, it just so encourages me. And in the seasons of our lives, whether you're young and in school or college and got the rest of your life ahead of you, or whether you're right now trying to just get the family afloat. Do you know what I mean? You know the thing, trying to fight to get them to church on time. Thomas, get your shoes! Lily, do your hair! That's how it goes, isn't it? Okay, sorry. Is it? That's a, is it that's a, or maybe I'm judging you incorrectly. That's how it was at our house. It was, get your shoes now, we're going to church. Fion, you can't wear that. Get back, put something tidy on. And she'd come back with something easily, equally as crazy. Okay, we'll go like that. And she'd come to church dressed like uh, Lionel Messi or something like that. You know, all of the expressions of life and the phases of life, we just get through it all. And we are designed to work and to get through life and to have effort and to have meaning. Throw our time into projects. Throw our time into helping others where we can as well as setting our own family up for a win. But you see, this is just a glimmer of the future. This is a future pre-Jesus. This is a future that is at the beginning of Advent, so to speak, that the prophets aren't even here to actually speak of where we're, we're going yet. We haven't even got to light the first candle in church history at this point. And what we are seeking to do here is to get a fuller revelation, because we are now 2,000 years after Christ, aren't we? So let's wind forward and let's shoot straight over through Advent and let's go straight in, uh, through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John if we can and let's wind all the way forward to a small time that's about 60 years after Jesus had come. And we're going to go to a book of Philippians and we're going to look at the writing of Paul that elaborates on this little verse in a little bit more detail. Follow with me, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. It's on screen, or if you've got a Bible glowing or turning, whichever type you've got, if you swipe or turn the page, follow with me in the scripture that says this. Paul says to the church at Philippi, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Whatever season of life Paul is in, he has learned to be content. You see, he talks in the next verse, follow me, about whether it's winter, whether it's spring, whether it's summer, or whether it's autumn. He has learnt the secret of the seasons. He says in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Interesting, isn't it, that Solomon says that we eat, we drink, 
we die, the he's elaborating, says, I know whether it's hungry or whether it's well-fed. I have learned to be content, whether living in plenty or living in want. And can I say to you that the refuge that's ours in Jesus today is to learn to be content too. You see, those without a faith and those without Jesus know what it is to be in a very lonely place. They might have companionship. They might have people around them. They might have times where it's good to be merry and even to celebrate and even to get drunk, but following drunkenness comes a hangover and it's not so good in the morning, is it? And for the times and seasons of our lives, we kind of need to have a bit more of a balance in our summer. That instead of, in the celebration of it all, that instead of maybe being drunk and ruining the next day and making that winter, is that we hold our beer. And maybe we just have one or two to just celebrate what's just happened, but that we fulfill the biblical teaching, don't be drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. No such thing as a sin of alcohol, as some people used to teach. Jesus drank wine. In fact, Paul used to say it's good for the stomach. And Jesus, I'm saying, used to drink wine. It's interesting. When he left, before he comes back, he says, I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine until I return again. Interesting, isn't it? That Jesus ain't going to touch any chateau neuf de pap until he's back here on earth with us again. And boy, will it be fine wine as we celebrate you see, Paul is teaching us that contentment is found in the secret of the seasons. Let me share the secrets with you today, if I can, in three small thoughts as we close. You see, the secret of thanksgiving, sorry, the secret of success in life is primarily thanksgiving, isn't it? The Americans have just been celebrating it. I was so envious as a child. They seem to have two Christmases. Let me notice. They have Thanksgiving where they give thanks. And then they have Christmas where we give thanks. And maybe that's why America is the grand force that she is. The grand nation that she is. Maybe because they have a greater attitude of gratitude. In fact, I've noticed that a lot. I've noticed that about American culture. Is they're always upbeat. You know, if someone's down and the business has gone bankrupt, they say, don't worry, it's time to get it right next time. They seem to have a adve- sense of adventure as a nation. They seem to have a sense of drive that's in them. But as well as that, they have a sense of an understanding of this thing called thanksgiving. And in this country, well, we're quite the opposite sometimes. We mourn about the weather. We mourn about the traffic. It's the first thing that you do when you get into the office. And you, oh, oh, what a day it is. You know? And those of you, we had a, the most fantastic, blissful summer we've had on record this year. And half of you were going, oh, it's hot. We need, we need air conditioning. You should see the state of the lawn. We need, you know, we, by nature, we want to complain, don't we? But Scripture teaches us, rejoice, I say. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Do you hear me? Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, some of you need to maybe get your Bibles out, and maybe I need to do it sometimes as well. Get my Bible out and highlight that, because 
Sometimes our version of the Bible says rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Always. Can we live like Paul? And in the secret of our contentment, whether you're in spring, whether you're in summer, whether you're in winter or autumn in your life right now for various circumstances, can you be thankful? One of my favorite phrases is from Corey Ten Boom, who said, I complained about my shoes until I saw a man with no feet. There's always somebody that's worse off. There's always somebody that's got less than us. Do you know you're in the world's top 5% of wealth right now if you, number one, can put your hands on $2 or more right now. Number two, know that you will get one meal today. Number three, know that you can sleep safely in your bed without fear of somebody attacking you. That puts you in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. Does that shock you? Shock me, that's a statistic from Compassion. You can Google it online. And yet we complain so much, don't we? To have a life of thanksgiving and to say, Lord, will you help develop in my life an attitude of gratitude? Lord, that every day I would be thankful for what I have. So whether I be in want or whether I be in plenty, that I can learn to be content. And that leads nicely into my second point. So my first point is live a life of thanksgiving. But the second part of it, you see, is if we have a life of thanksgiving, we will automatically eradicate a life of complaining. Oh, oh, we love a complaint, do we? You know, because we're Welsh. We've been persecuted for centuries. <laughs> by so many different people, we fought. I watched Braveheart, the last part of Braveheart with our fellow Scots and our fellow Celts. We've been persecuted for so many years, haven't we? We'll go to Twickenham again and they'll persecute us and they'll put us to the sword and we complain and we mourn, don't we? Don't we mourn as Welsh people? Complain about everything, oh, the economy, and we play for, complain for Brexit. Whether we Brexit or Bremain, we should learn to be content, shouldn't we? I mean, because we can complain, what does it change? Tell you what it does, it makes life hard for Theresa May, God bless her. I tell you what, talk about sticking at it. You can't help nod, and you know, because loads of people would have just uh, threw their towel in. So God bless women in leadership, I say, who are prepared to stand because Boris would have long gone. I think, if he was in the situation. But we can complain. And when March comes and we have to make a decision and Parliament, there'll be loads of people complaining. Twitter will light up like it does <laughs> with everyone's opinions about it all. But you don't have to go on to Twitter. You can just go on people's Facebook and the status updates. Can I ask what status updates do you put on? Do you put status updates which are Thank God that this is happening, or thank God for this, or thank God for that. I try my best to do that until I find a toilet roll dispenser. <laughs> that has got the toilet roll hanging the wrong way. And you all know that I've become the toilet roll evangelist because the patent said that the toilet roll must go over, not under. And everyone in the room said, Amen. Thank you. 
And those that of you that didn't, you need to leave the church right now. <laughs> there is no room for people that do under. But you know, you can find yourself and it's, look, I just do it for humor. Because it's just something that everybody now tags me in toilet or whatever they see it in the world, they tag it. Saw this, Phil, and thought of you. I'm thinking, great, there you are right now. Sat where you're sat. And you took a picture of something to remind me of you. Thank you. I'm touched by the thought that when you're seated in such fashion, you think of me. But it's easy to complain, isn't it? We complain about this, complain about that. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul again writes to the uh, church at Ephesus. And he writes, because he has known the secret of contentment, he writes, and he writes in Ephesians 4, he says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up your brother in the Lord. It's a lovely verse, isn't it? Let no unwholesome talk. And it's strange, isn't it? We all know to identify bad language and blasphemy and everything. And we all, as sane, rational people, can always identify unwholesome talk, can't we? We're all grown-ups here. We all understand what unwholesome talk is. But Paul goes further and says, but only that which is good for building your brother up. In fact, the way I've decided to life is, live life is to not complain but to give compliments. Do you know it brightens my life and it brightens their life? Those shoes look amazing this morning, Andrea. I've got to say, and they are, aren't they? I'm not just saying it, those shoes rock. <laughs> and everyone's peering now, but all of you will be commenting. You know, kindness and compliments go a long way, don't they? We meet people with name badges. My daughters uh, say I embarrass them most of the time. But everyone, whether at the checkout in Tesco or whether at Premier Inn or wherever they are, everyone's got a name badge. Try using their name. And when you see their name badge, respond to them. And if their name is Kenneth, say, good morning, Kenneth. How are you today? And watch their face light up. Because you've just brightened someone's day. Instead of saying, oh, weather is terrible, isn't it, Ken? Why don't we look to brighten someone's day up? You see, not only have we need to have an attitude of gratitude, we need to develop an effective perspective. We need to understand that when we see someone with no feet, we should never complain about our shoes. And then finally, can I talk to you about one last area, not just the area of thanksgiving and not just the area of complaining, but this wonderful thing about peace. As I close and we look forward to Christmas that's ahead this December, and the declaration in many a carol and in so many texts and in Scripture itself, which said, Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Can we be the very light of Christ? where people are maybe in the winter of their lives or in the spring or the summer or the autumn of their relationships and in their seasons that they are living in. Can we be light? Can you be Jesus' hands and feet?
can we have an attitude of gratitude and can we have an effective perspective that as we go through life the peace that's in our heart the peace that came to earth that's in our heart becomes goodwill to all men Paul writing again says as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone and maybe this season for us will be a time of fruitfulness in winter maybe it'll be a time to pick up the phone and find a long lost neighbor or find a long lost friend or a family member maybe it'll be a time that peace on earth and goodwill towards them will be maybe building a bridge it might be forging new fresh relationships it might be going to see that aunt that you know you should go and see and she's been on your mind for some time or dropping someone a text or particularly this winter as we walk past maybe a homeless person or someone can can we just check that they've got water and they've got food can we can we just show kindness this season and live at peace with everyone because as we have a peaceful life as we have an effective perspective and as we have an attitude of gratitude i tell you whether you're at work or whether you're eating or whether you're drinking you will learn the secrets of the season which is to be content can we do that can we do that as we celebrate this christmas and as we wind forward and spend time together let's renew our hearts and maybe let's take up ruth's challenge it affected my ocd in a terrible way when she said it i'm already you know on that mission to finish nikki gumbel's bible in one year and making sure i don't miss it because the app comes up every oh, i got to do that and my ocd with to-do lists and check things off but i i can't help this morning by be being kind of challenged by that read Luke's 24 chapters between now and Christmas the whole story of Jesus and the advent maybe let's do that together in order that we can be thankful and we can be effective and we can live at peace with everyone i ask in Jesus name let's pray to close father god we are so thankful We are so thankful that we are the richest 5% in the world. That we know what it is to have a meal today. That we can put our hands on $2 and that we can sleep safely in our beds at night. Lord, we pray for those in our nation right now that are less fortunate than ours, than us. Those that don't have a roof over their heads. Those that are struggling for a meal today. Lord, I pray that you give our government wisdom to deal with this huge issue of homelessness that we have and housing in this nation. Lord, that you would give them wisdom to fix it. Lord, I pray for those that are in a season of real winter in their lives today. Lord, those that this December Lord are grieving because of the loss of a lo- loss of a loved one. Those that have friends and family that are in hospital. think of Mary right now and ask that you would be with her those or oh god that are various needs that lord we can carry on with our lives and not consider others will you help us or oh lord today
to have an attitude of gratitude and to be grateful for what we have. Lord, and to not complain, but to live at peace with everyone and be the light of Jesus to the world around us. Lord, help us today in a new way. I ask. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.